Hello and welcome to the SBK Betting Podcast and, well, specifically, a big welcome to anyone new, any new listeners to the podcast who might have been alerted to the hype within the racing world over the last week for what we have been naming the race of the season, which takes place this weekend at Ascot. Uh, But you might be here to find out what all the fuss is about, or you might be a regular listener who is extremely keen to hear the thoughts of our experts. And although one of them, as we know, is a passionate jumps man, I think even the most diehard of jumps fans will be tuning in to see this Saturday's King George VI and Queen Elizabeth Stakes. It is mouth-watering and um, we will get into that in a moment uh, before we quickly recap on a good bit of tipping from last week although it wasn't always plain sailing slightly heart and mouth stuff from save the last dance in the irish oak she traded at 999 to one but all three of us did put her up we were i i not sure about you guys, but I definitely didn't back her in running. But if I did, then uh, if anyone did, they were very uh, punchy because she didn't look like it was going to happen. But she went on, got going late to prove her stamina. And she won it for Aiden and Ryan more at 10 to 11. But it was the super sprint where I think was the performance of the weekend. Um, Ross, you were very strong on relief rally. She just absolutely blitzed the field. She was far too good for all of them, despite having quite a lot of weight but the nine stone didn't seem to to worry her at, at all Ross quickly on her performance and potential throughout the course of the rest of the year she looks like a top class filly in the in the making doesn't she yeah I mean I mentioned last week I thought she was unfortunate not to be unbeaten coming into it and she was the clear standout on on figures and sort of Burrow away trying to find something that's perhaps well handicapped against her on the weights and there, there just simply wasn't anything and as long as she got a clear passage she won and that was the only concern just I think Tom Marcon probably had to move earlier than he would have chosen to just there was a gap potentially closing on him but she just found and found and found you know she was very very impressive and you know although it was a very winnable race it's arguably a career best they can do whatever they like with her now I mean like going into it I was convinced that she'd she'd be better over over six be interesting to see if they go that way there's some quite nice uh targets for, for over six firms for for fillies um or whether they roll the dice and go in the nun thought where obviously she would get absolutely buckets of weight from from everything being a two-year-old filly so she's a really exciting horse and uh yeah probably, i agree with you performance of the weekend for me yeah, William Haggis just um, mentioned the Lowther. He also talked about the Pudelabe long term, plenty of potential. And as you touch on weight, which is topical because, you know, sometimes having too much more weight in a race compared to the others, it just doesn't matter if you're the best horse in the race. And I think that will be a very um, important angle to look at, especially when we when we discuss the King George. Um, just um, please have also seen uh, my nap, Art Power, absolutely destroy his field at the Curra. Uh, he remains unbeaten at that track and... Uh, and it was a good thing, really. He was well back to the end at six to five. But it is the King George that we're going to focus on, and uh, we'll, we'll we'll dissect it and try and get as much as we can in um in not a too too long a, po- a podcast because we could go on for hours. But we want to keep it concise. But we also want to get the most out of uh, um of 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 the team here today and make sure that we we can't kind of cover all angles because there's plenty that we could cover obviously news came in this morning that there'll be no derby winner 2022 desert crown he's had another setback so that's one derby winner out but we have this year's derby winner in august rodan we have last year's irish derby winner in westover we have the one two from both the irish and epson derbies we've got three coronation cup winners we've got last year's winner pile driver six group one winners 
essentially that's what's all the fuss is all about um you know we've got two of the best three-year-olds in the country in um in this in this country and and in ireland in august Rodan and king of steel they're going up against their elders and i think for a long time this that's what's the race well that's what it's been all about are the three-year-olds better than their elders but i think it's got more than that there's there's a lot to take out of this field there's a lot to to sort of get through and from a betting perspective just with a refresh now desert crowns out and now that we've got the draw a quick betting check because um king of steel and august redan now three to one joint favorites king of steel edge favoritism throughout the course of the anti-post markets but they're now currently joint favorites hookham is seven to two then we've got nine to two for emily up john Pile driver last year's winner, seven to one. Uh, Luxembourg, 14 to one, 16 to one, Westover, and bigger prices for the rest of them. Right, Tom, where should we begin? Um, trends, you like a trend? I suppose the three year olds, they've had a poor record in this race. I suppose, how good are these three year olds compared to the ones we've seen in the past? We've seen a, a Derby winner win this recently in the shape of Adaya. I got, I've got a feeling that these three-year-olds might be better than them, but I think our older horses in this this year are slightly better than they have been in times gone by. They all have the ability, that's why they're all in here, but we're potentially, essentially going on potential with the three-year-olds. Do you think that might be what edges it in terms of how you're looking at it? It's a really interesting race, isn't it? It's the first proper big test between the three-year-olds uh, and the older horses. Obviously, the, the Derby first and second are running in here and deserve to be towards the top of the market. But at the same time, we are guessing that they are better than the older horses. If you look back at trends, three of the last 10 winners have been three-year-olds. However, 17 of the last 21 winners of the King George have been three or four. So that tends to give a hand to the younger horses. Saying that, four of the last five uh, have actually not been three or four. So even recently, uh, that trend has kind of fallen off a cliff a little bit, largely due to Enable winning this twice in a row, Pile Driver winning it last year. More trends to give you. Ryan Moore's only won this race twice from 15 attempts. Aidan O'Brien's won it three from 30 attempts. And the Irish, I think, are five from 36. So it's not been a race that Aidan or the Irish in general have really thrived in, which is interesting given August Rodan is right at the top of the market now. People are debating whether August Rodan is better than King of Steel, Obviously, on the evidence we have, he was at Epsom, but King of Steel didn't get the ideal trip, whereas August Rodan did. He's a big horse. He was coming off a layoff. There might have been reasons why King of Steel wasn't 100% that day, whereas August Rodan was. So a form reversal wouldn't surprise me. I don't think much splits the two, but I'm going to be siding with an older horse this time, Jess. Oh, interesting. So we've got a lot to take from that. Obviously, there are the trends, but there is there's the other element here as well in that, you know, we've got two very high class three-year-olds last year we we didn't see desert crown he was he was injured before coming into this race so we were lost without them the three-year-olds that turned up were very keen the race was a, a small field there should be a lot of pace in this race it should set up set up well for any of them is the ground something that comes into your reckoning when you've looked at this considering how much rain we've had and we know that august Rodin has essentially completely bombed out when it was very very testing ground in the guineas yeah potentially although he did win on heavy ground and soft ground last year so i i don't necessarily think it was just due to the ground that day i think there were other mitigating circumstances as to why he underperformed in the guineas looking through the list of horses at the top of the market and one other trend by the way it's worth touching on 20 of the last 20 winners 
uh, 20 winners from the last 20 renewals of the King George have been in the top five in the market. So this is very much a race where you should be focusing on the protagonists, largely due to the quality of the horse. You know, when you've got horses rated 120, they don't tend to underperform uh, that that often or that much, and they go on to win this race. So the top of the market is where you should be looking. And the top five in the market, I think, are all proven on testing ground. So albeit the ground is soft and the round course is particularly soft at Ascot, it wouldn't necessarily, in my opinion, be a huge negative for any of these. Um, I think both the three-year-olds have a great chance of winning. I'm going to be looking elsewhere, uh, but that's not because I want to completely oppose them. I just think there's better bets in the race. Pile driver, if you love your each ways uh, around seven, eight to one, I think he's a great bet because he's unbeaten over course and distance. He won this race last year. He posted a really good victory last time, so you can't write him off either. However, I'm going to side with Huckham. Uh, he's a six-year-old. He's been underrated throughout his whole career, despite owning a record of 10 wins from 16 starts. Now, that's largely due to the fact he's a slow developer. And actually, he's only just producing his career best now at the age of six. His last two runs were both career best performances. Last time out, I was exceptionally impressed with him. I was at Sandown for the Brigadier Gerard. I thought Desert Crown was given a, a scream of a ride uh, by Richard Kingscote. Hit the front at the right time, yet Huckham still ran him down. It was a monster performance. An RPR of 125 was just. He's a two-time course and distance winner. One of those came on soft ground. He's a stalker, should get the pace in front to chase. I really like Huckham in here, Jess. Yeah, I, you know, you can see the case considering that also, you know, we know that the, the bit of juice in the ground will just bring out the best in him. But as you said, they've all got these soft ground, the ability to, to go well on the soft ground. Um, is it a race that you can see, you know, he's coming out of stall four. It's a sort of a perfect pitch of anything uh, for Jim Crowley just to tuck in. Do you see Jim trying to recreate what happened at the, in the in the Brigadier Gerald? Because really, if anything, it wasn't an ideal trip, but it actually did quite well because he got so much cover for such a long period of time, which you possibly will have again in this kind of race setup. Yeah, it worked out perfectly, didn't it? At Sandown, he was in a pocket for a brief period of time until Desert Crown made that move on the outside. He carried the runner who was on his inside forward. That opened up a lovely split for Jim to go through, uh, pull Huckham out wide and, and win the race. I think he's going to get a very similar trip in here. I think he'll sit fourth or fifth early on. Jim will then wait, 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 wait for the move outside. Then he'll come behind, use Huckham's turn of foot. And he hasn't just got a turn of foot either. This is a horse with an abundance uh, of stamina. He's one over further. I think he's got everything in this race and people are just going to overlook him by saying, God, I'll be disappointed if Huckham wins this because he's a six-year-old. But actually, he is producing his career best performances, as I've already touched on, right now in his career. He's technically, technically still an improving and up-and-coming type despite being six. So look, I think he's the horse to beat. And although I wouldn't be surprised if either of the three-year-olds won, if Emily Upjohn won, if Paul Driver won, I think Huckham is the most solid option in the race. I suppose it's who who knows what he would have achieved um, last season um, if he didn't have the injury. And you could say that for Pile Driver as well. Whereas we've seen, you know, slight quirks in Emily Upjohn. We've seen that she's camp, she's not completely bulletproof. Um, and we don't know how good August Rodin and King of Steel are yet. And this is their first time tested against the older horses. Ross, having listened to all of that, having heard the trends as well, I suppose we've got to touch on these three-year-olds. August Rodin... His performance in the Irish Derby, is that a worry to you? Did you do you feel there's a, a lack of confidence around him now? And with King of Steel, did he impress enough last time for you to think that he can reverse the form then and some because he needs to not just reverse the form, but also prove himself against his elders? 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just a, a real muddle of a race, isn't it? I mean, fascinating from start to finish. Um, yeah, August Rodin did concern me last time. I, I think it was running at a muddling enough pace. I think there's excuses there. But you'd have expected him all the same to have gone and done that a little bit better than he did. Um, conversely, King of Steel really impressed me uh, at Ascot with what he did at the end, but he was plenty keen enough again through the through the early part of the race, and you you wouldn't want that to happen. But I think the three-year-old's getting the weight at, at my angle in, provided it doesn't get too um, soft. Uh, because I think if it does get soft, these maturing three-year-olds are just not going to be as physically strong as their elders to cope with the demands of soft, of soft ground, whether they appreciate soft ground or not. Um, but I'm working on the basis that the weather forecast is going to be correct, which, you know, might be putting a bit of blind faith in the forecasters who don't always get it right. Um, and I just think King of Steel has got every chance of, of turning it around with August Rodin. As TC hit on, he didn't have the, the, the perfect uh, run through uh, the derby. Probably got to the front too soon. I know Kevin Stott was was wishing he'd uh, been able to wait. Um, and I just think, you know, he's, he's got less race, race exposure. He missed his uh, intended debut start of this season because of an incident in the stalls. Um, only had two starts to a two-year-old. Um, he won on soft ground at Nottingham and then bombed out uh, at Doncaster in the Verton Futurity, which August Rodin won. And if you remember then, the, the talk was very much they weren't going to run him on heavy ground, but he seemed to cope with it, whereas it appeared King of Steel didn't. I just think that it, such a big two-year-old was never going to show up again after an impressive debut. I can happily put a line through the run there. Um, so for me, it's it's King of Steel. I think the interesting thing, and you, you hit on it slightly with Hickam, is, is the draw. So you've got uh, August Rodin out wide, so he's going to have to tack across and, and, and drop in, which I think would probably suit. I don't think that's going to be an issue. The issue might just be for Kevin Stott, who's drawn in three. And around him, he's got Luxembourg in one, Balshoy Ballet in two, and Point Lonsdale in five. There's just the sort of uh, cynical uh, racing part of my brain that says, surely, but surely they're going to try and just get Kevin Stott tucked away on a bit of a pocket on the on the rail. You know, Bolshoi, Bolshoi Valley or, or Luxembourg to go forward and then the other one to come alongside and Point Lonsdale to rush up on his outside from five. He, he, Kevin Stott's going to have to be very sharp in the early stages on a horse that's probably going to be keen. So he ideally would like to drop in and get cover. But if he does drop in and get cover, is he getting cover behind basically three horses from his opponent's yard? Um, I think that's going to be a really interesting facet. But I just think you can overthink things. I think he's the best three-year-old in the field. And I think the three-year-olds probably have the edge with the weight. Um, so not a, a chips all-in selection, but I just think King Steel's got huge upside with him. Okay, so it, the keenness element is the one that I'm curious on it's a, a, a big day for these three-year-olds especially uh, King of Steel being so lightly raced and what we saw last year with Westover and Emily Upjohn who just completely ruined their chances by being that being too keen do you think the, the race setup being a smaller field just didn't play to their advantages and this is this will help them that there is clear pace on or do you think that is still a slight worry in your mind I, th I think you're right and I think last year Westover and Emily Upjohn very much had eyes on each other. It was very much a cat and mouse affair. Whereas if you're Ryan Moore and Kevin Stott, you can't only worry about one other opponent in this race because there's so many, that, you know, as we've just pointed out, that 
that you have to keep an eye on. So you, you just have to ride your own race. And I think when that happens, you tend to get a more honest pace um, and, and hopefully horses that can be keen won't be in and we'll get a, a real contest. And then we'll, you know, because the King George last year, I mean, power driver, you felt really sorry for him because he got absolutely no credit because everyone spoke about the horse that didn't win. So what we want is a nice, even, fair race so we can revel in the victor without anyone throwing stones at them. Yeah, there shouldn't be any excuses. Look, the ground is now soft, good soft in places. There was 17 mil of rain overnight, which is oh extraordinary amount. There's showers possibly likely today. It feels like a real end of autumn day, not the middle of summer. Um, but it could it could be it, the breeze could dry out. I was actually quite surprised. I was certain that they might just opt out of this for August Rodin, knowing how important he is as a, a stallion prospect and getting beat and what it would do. But fair play they've gone and they're, they're rolling the, the big dice here potentially is a big and stronger and more powerful unit and he has just benefited from a couple of months since the the guineas um i i'm still not certain i think that he was he was it was just too workmanlike in the irish derby for me and he's had three big races now so let's see how that goes that what king is still it's the potential that that, that there is there for him but both Tom and Ross were very keen on Emily Upjohn in the in the eclipse just a, a few weeks ago. Um, a horse that clearly has seems like a better model this year than she does last year. And they kept the hood off again, Ross. I know this is something that you were curious about uh, before the eclipse. And again, she's got it off again. They clearly don't think that she needs it. Didn't look like she needed it in the race either in the eclipse. I don't think she went down on her sword to potentially the best three-year-old in training. Definitely from a rating perspective, he's better than King of Steel and August Rodin. What, what, why have you left her out of your selections this time? Uh, I just, I just think that um, the ground isn't going to be anywhere near as much to her suiting. And I watched it back and I, I just don't think she was ever going to go past. I sort of slightly drew the conclusion that she was just a bit, a bit cute actually. Um, and so for, for that reason alone, and the fact she bombed out in this race last time, she was one of the earlier ones off my off my list in you know in a race where it was very hard to get horses off your list. Okay, she's my selection though. Uh, we've done this before where I've thought you were all nutters for not uh, not agreeing with me, but I I I I think it's way it would be way too cocky for me to be too confident about this. I just think she's a different Philly mare now. She's a mare, not a Philly. That's a, that's an important aspect. I think she proved when she came back after a lot of questions to answer when she bombed out in this race last year. And it was a real horror show, wasn't it? But the the Gosden team did a brilliant job to to handle her and they got her to the uh, the Phillies race on Champions Day where it was good to soft. There was no doubt about it. It was on the softer side that day. Um, we know because Baye didn't like like it at all um but she got through it yes it's a, it was a lesser group one against against the Phillies but the coronation is the race that I'm I'm taking from this I think she travels so smoothly I think a strong pace to aim at will be ideal for her Frankie Dettori knows how to win this race you know better man than Frankie at Asker in a King George it'll be similar I think he'll ride want to ride a similar race to as he did on an able I think 
on, in the Crystal Ocean matchup, where she got quite a wide draw as well, decided to sort of bring her back and tuck her in and play the long game, play the, play the patient game. I think that's what Frankie will do on Emily Upjohn, and it will be her stamina. Um, I think that will see her out. Stamina, which probably the likes of Westover and Piledriver do have, and we don't know whether the likes of King of Steel and August Rodan you know, stretching out. They'll need to str- they'll need to find every inch of a mile four and, and, and more for this. So yeah, my God, it's it's a it's a great, great Titanic race. Tom, it's great for racing, I suppose, to have it, isn't it? Um the best field of King George that I can remember for a long time and just pleased that we've got pretty much all of them bar Desert Crown. Well, absolutely. And the fact that we haven't talked about the likes of Luxembourg, who's rated 122, just shows you how good this race is. Uh, Hopefully we get the race that everyone's hoping we get with a a big barnstorming finish on Saturday. Hopefully the rain does stay away a little bit, but it's all set up on paper, ready to be one of the best races of the year. Yeah, I think regard. I think it's an open betting contest based on, I don't think anyone could be confident on, on, on anything, but there's been a case for Hookham, there's a, a case for King of Steel, and there's a case for Emily Updon. Uh, but I'm sure um, whoever you listen to in the run-up to this race, you're going to get a differing of opinions because they all deserve to be there. And fair play, fair credit to every trainer, every connection for giving it a go. They definitely believe that their horse has the chance of, of, of taking away the King George VI and Queen Elizabeth. What a race we've got to look forward to. Um, so hopefully we've done it enough justice. Um, t- before we get on to our naps, a next best, TC, you might have a stat attack for us. Yeah, stat attack, not relating to the King George, but we thought I'd bring back this feature this week uh, just for a race at um, Ascot. Yeah, that would be good if I knew what track it was at. Uh, and it's to do with trainer Ed Bethel, who's actually got the best win strike rate of any trainer in the flat this season. He's having a phenomenal year so far. He's also got a 32% strike rate with his three-year-old Injustice campaign. A real phenomenal number for a trainer who doesn't have the biggest uh, stock of horses. £10 on each one of those would have produced a, a profit of £64.80. Now, he runs the hat-trick seeking Loughton in the 450 at Ascot on Saturday. And it's interesting to see that Holly Doyle has been booked. Holly's only had two rides for Ed Bethel, one winner. She takes them out on Loughton, who carries bottom weight. So, a good, a good, interesting stat there for Loughton in the 450 Ascot. Okay, I think that might um, relate quite nicely to Ross taking over his Napa next best. Yeah, so uh, you might not know, but Ed Bethel's got a very good strike rate. Um, <laughs> 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 um, no, the, 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 the Nap is, and, it, and I promise uh, all our listeners, I, I have not conversed with TC until we, we logged on today. I know that you're into the dumps, but you need to do your own homework, Ross. This is part of your contract. <laughs> if I was reading notes, I'd be reading yours on, on recent form, wouldn't I? Um, so, yeah, the, the nap is in the 450, and it is Loughton from the Ed Bethel Yard. Uh, I mean, just wildly impressive in uh, a seven-furlong soft race at Leicester, then seven furlongs on the all-weather at Newcastle. Uh, all the time doing best work very late in the piece. This step up to a mile on a stiff track off bottom weight. Holly Doyle, as TC pointed out, is a really eye-catching booking. Ed Bethel, I mean, I have to be, you know, I'm not a stats person. That's just anecdotally just love what he does with his horses and always look out for them. So, look, Loughton is, a, is an even more confident nap now. I've had the TC stamp of approval. Um, four o'clock uh, is Ganesha, um, who really caught my eye finishing fast in the Windsor Castle at Ascot, having absolutely botched the start and looked outpaced throughout and then did some really good late work running into about about eighth. It was a bit disappointing then next time at Carlisle, but that was on very quick ground. 
got back on uh, good to soft ground in the first time. Nursery off 82 last time and absolutely sluiced up. She looked really impressive over five furlongs there. She's up six pounds. That wouldn't have stopped her over five furlongs. I'm convinced six furlongs is her trip. This filly by showcasing. Um, and I think she'll continue to make hay in nurseries off a mark of 88 in the four, in the four o'clock. Yeah, that's a four o'clock at York, um, just to go with um, your selection um, back at Asker. Um, gonna, yeah, that's a good valuable nursery isn't it and just the seven runners as well so um interesting dope like plenty of racing outside of Ascot, york newmarket um ganesha and uh thank you for for lotan as well tc ross whichever whoever it was uh, <laughs> um brilliant and back on to tc what have you gone for yeah well unfortunately i was coming into this podcast ready to nap a william haggis three-year-old at york who i thought had a phenomenal chance but we're filming this at just after 11 on thursday declarations came out at 10 30 and the horse got taken out so i've had to leapfrog the next next best up and put a different selection in for the next best so the nap now is tiffany in the two o'clock at newcastle unfortunately she probably won't be a massive price but I think she's a very likely winner. She's a typical Sir Mark Prescott improver. Took a couple runs in novice races just to get, you know, known to the game, uh, know what she was doing. She looked really raw, green. She's a big type. Uh, and then she actually broke her duck in a novice event um, that's worked out exceptionally well. Now, the third from that race in the Geary won on Friday last week. And the fourth home, Isle of Jura, also won on Friday last week, half an hour later. I was actually at Newbury where Isle of Jura was, was running uh, with a friend. And my friend said, God, Nagiri, who's just won, finished one place ahead of Isle of Jura. Isle of Jura then drifts in, this, in the market at Newbury. And we're thinking, oh, maybe that format is completely wrong. But the horse absolutely bolted up. You won't see a, many more impressive victories uh, than Isle of Jura. I think he actually runs on Saturday. So look out for him. He will be a short price. Um, but Tiffany beat them both. So the form looks pretty strong. She then ran in a void race, put a line through that. We, the race was uh, stopped with two furlongs to run. Don't really know where she would have finished. And then last time out, she dug really deep to win at Windsor. Now, rider Morgan Cole takes over and takes off a valuable five pounds. She's impressed me recently, so that's a good uh, sign. And also, that means the filly can now run off one pound lower than when she was successful at Windsor. So she looks very well treated uh, in the two o'clock at Newcastle. And the next best is Lion Kingdom. In the 250 at Newmarket, James Fanshawe's horses are finding a bit of form. Um, his last three runners at the time of recording, two of them have won, and another one was second. So I'm hoping that he'll saddle another winner here. This is the son of, of Roaring Lion. He had a rough trip at this track on his penultimate start when he was coming off a 214-day layoff. Nevertheless, he finished a good fourth, and it was a promising uh, reappearance. Last time out, he didn't really produce a performance I was uh, pleased about, but I'm hoping he can take a big step forward. The handicap has dropped him two pounds. Harry Davis, who claims a further three pounds, takes the mount. Everything kind of looks in place uh, for Lion Kingdom in the 250 uh, new market. So he's my next best. Okay, brilliant. Tiffany and Lion Kingdom for TC. Uh, good luck with them. Yeah, Morgan Cole. Cole definitely i've just I saw her earlier this week riding for some up prescott as well she's she's um she's doing brilliantly um so good jockey to follow at the moment um my selections and actually a question to both of you where did you want to be drawn at royal ascot and the big handicaps towards the stand side if, if possible towards the stand side okay i would did say it not so. change did it not change <laughs> It changed every single know. day, Jess. It was far okay. side, it was middle, it was stand side. I would gem generally say stand side, though. Okay, right. Well, that's going to just change things. Hopefully, it'll just get me a bigger price. Poor old Biggles has been um, drawn down the far side again. Um, he was. You might remember that he was drawn far side um, when he was ninth. 
um, to Witch Hunter in the Buckingham Palace Stakes. Uh, I think he was drawn, I can remind, three. Uh, he's drawn at six this time. Not as good, not as bad, but not great. But potentially, potentially Ryan Moore will, will know based on that where, how, or who we can track and who we can follow to try and get down to the, um, at least the middle or the, or the far side or the near side. Um, because I think this horse comes well in. He's got a three pound penalty for his success at Newmarket a couple of weeks ago where he, uh, he won readily in the end he I was right there right in the winners enclosure to see him such a smashing horse I think Ray Beckett has done brilliantly with him he's clearly had few issues and they've just been they've managed him really well I think a bit of soft ground is is really crucial for him as well which he definitely didn't get at Ascot um the last time but he was second in the Victoria Cup on, on soft ground as well and I just think that he's just coming in here with a little bit extra um just the draw just as a slight concern but I, I think that they're trying to make hay while the sun is essentially shining while he's in good form so Biggles for me um in the three o'clock at Ascot and then in the to race be fair, sorry to, to interrupt there Jess uh, to be fair for the draw I know you said he's drawn low and that could be a negative based on what I just said but I've just seen the current uh, going stick readings and far side is currently the quickest part of the track 6.5 compared to stand side 6.3 center 6.2 so he could actually be drawn in the ideal position there we go well that's why we're here that's why we're all helping each other just like tc did for ross earlier um right on oh, the last uh, selection the next best is the um in the 225 the phillies and mares group three over a mile now sometimes i get a little few perks in my job and that i can chat to chat up some jockeys and ask them about anything that's running over the weekend and david egan i was able to stop and ask about amena um who they've been waiting with waiting with patiently to get back on track she hasn't been seen since finishing sixth in the in the guineas of last year behind Cache, where she was massively eye-catching and I remember Roger Varin being really pleased with the way that she ran uh, the way that Aiden ran at the time as well in the 2000 guineas but it was it was Amena the filly that really really impressed him now she's had several setbacks which has meant that she hasn't been back until um this season she didn't run again as three she's now a four-year-old they did have her entered um in the family stakes but she was taken out on account of the ground so they wanted to go group one with her um but they have had to re uh re we work their plans and now she's in a group three they consider her extremely talented and higher better better class than this i think that clearly random harvest um for the ed walker team comes into it with great form she loves ascot she's been unlucky to finish second there at royal ascot a couple of times but i think she could be outclassed again by a filly that might just go a little bit under the radar considering that she hasn't been seen for such a long time um she, apparently she is fit she's ready to go she's been ready to go for the last couple of weeks it's just been ground dependent a daughter of exceed and excel should absolutely love it so amena in the 225 ascot so plenty for us to uh, watch and enjoy. I know Ross likes to enjoy his cake while he, eats good, um, while he watches Good Racing. I will be there fangirling over everything. Uh, TC, will you make the trip to Ascot? I don't think so this week. Uh, I'm on Sky on Saturday, so it's going to be a bit of a quiet afternoon, I think. Okay, well, we'll look forward to watching on Sky. Um, obviously, uh, make sure that you uh, subscribe to whatever podcast channel you listen to. We're not just one week wonders. We are, uh, we, we come to you when, um, every single Thursday to give you all the best, uh, previews for the big action. Um, so make sure that you return if you uh, have just joined in just to hear about this uh, race of the season. Um, we've got lots of content on the, on the YouTube channel. So make sure that you, uh, have a look at that as well. But, uh, remember 
remember that all new SBK users get £30 in free bets when they sign up and bet £10 for the first time. So I hope you've enjoyed and we'll see you very soon.